to avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a podcast. Only a podcast. Only a podcast. Howdy y'all, this is the Low Span here, and we're doing another episode of the Midnight Matter podcast. And as always, I have my awesome co-host here, Lady Winters. Lady Winters, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing fabulous, and hello to everyone listening, and thank you for listening, by the way. Indeed. I would like to send a shout out to our listeners and future listeners. We look forward to hearing from you, and we hope to put out a pretty good product. Now, this past week has been rather unique. We're not going to go into too many details about what's going on, but we do have some interesting, fun news to reveal. Texas Frightmare Weekend, which was scheduled for the first week of May, has been postponed, and it will be relocated to September 11th and 13th, which is quite helpful because, you know what, maybe September will be a better time for that event. And with that being announced, they stated that Bill Mosley will be attending as a guest, because I know he wasn't able to attend because he had a prior commitment. Now, I know this past week, uh, Lady Winters and I watched a number of movies, and they also made an announcement that some of these movies would be released uh, on the streaming clients, which was a pretty big deal. I know that uh, we both got a nice chance to go to the theater and go to the, um, or watch them on television, you know, watch, watch them on, at home. So let's talk about the first movie that we, um, we went to go see. Tell me about your experience with The Hunt. Okay, well, first let's back up real quick. Um, So back in February, early February, you know, I got sitting around thinking, hey, are they ever going to release The Hunt? And so I um, reached out to Blumhouse on Twitter. I think you remember that, Los. Oh, yes. And, you know, I was a little fired up because, you know, I know that in the past, I, I believe last July, it was supposed to be released, but there were unfortunate things that happened in the world of, you know, active coward shooters but then again you know they um pushed that date back because there were a few politicians that weren't happy with this movie that was going to be released and the and their point of view was like um this movie was going to be an attack on their political agenda but after viewing this movie which me and los actually got to see the last weekend that um it was going to be played in theaters it was on a sunday night when i went to go see it and there was only like maybe a total of 11 people in the theater and when we went to go buy our ticket the um management had spaces between people so we weren't sitting you know in like a group or a cluster together and that being said the audience were like very young college students so my opinion of this movie i loved it and you know it almost kind of took me by surprise because I didn't realize it was going to be like a dark comedy. And what's so brilliant about this movie, there was kind of like this whole ideology of what everyone thought it was going to be. But Blumhouse did something very clever. It's kind of poking fun on both sides of the wing, left wing and right wing. And it was greatness. And I really did enjoy it. Los, what was your opinion? I agree with your sentiments, though. When I went to the movie, I attended a movie theater that had just barely opened about two or three weeks ago called the Flicks Brewhouse. And there was a small crowd, probably less than 15 people there. So it was a late night. It was about an hour after you went to go watch it. So late night, Sunday, I kicked back. I ordered a beer, watched the movie. And you know what? 
like yourself, I was impressed with the direction that the movie took. Before the movie was released, they were talking about how, oh, it was going to be left-wing people hunting right-wingers. So, of course, there were people who were attacking the film without even seeing it because they felt like, oh, this is going to be a left-wing fantasy. And then when they found out that the heroes were right-wingers, they celebrated the movie, which I thought was ironic because when you actually watch the movie, you'll see that it's actually mocking both groups. And, exactly. And the movie takes a a clever twist at the very end which i thought was brilliant and what made the movie outstanding was the portrayal of the main character by betty gilpin who is on the tv show glow that netflix show i absolutely loved her she comes across as a woman who doesn't give a shit about her what's going on she just needs to survive i mean what, what did you think about her character i loved her character it was, let that lesson be learned to anyone out there. Never judge a book by its cover. The way everyone was judging this movie before it was even released. Like, no one even gave it a chance. Everyone wanted to raise their flag, you know. But she was that character that you never saw coming. And when she did, she brought it. And guys, don't judge a book by its cover. Because, you know, you underestimate an individual. I love how silent and strong and collective she was. What I liked about her was that when you're first introduced to her, she just walks into a store, she orders a pack of cigarettes, and she doesn't know that she's being set up. Yet, she gets the upper hand because she pays attention to things. And you don't they don't go too much into her background, other than to say that she was in the military. But I often wonder... Hmm? She was a vet. Yeah, she was a vet. But they don't really say what she did. And if she were a man, it would have been, oh, she had to have been a SEAL or a Green Beret. Because whatever this woman did in the military, she probably did it very well. Which was impressive, because this woman absolute kicked ass. I mean, she was not afraid to take charge. She knew how to handle weapons. She knew how to defend herself. And she knew how to put herself in a situation where if she didn't know what was going on, she would she would look around, check what's going on. And kind of like not necessarily trust people. And maybe that's was the nature of her character. Because there is a key moment when the major antagonist reveals why she was selected. And let's just say that they com- they get her completely wrong. So she gets the upper hand because you don't know a damn thing about me. And that's what I loved about her character. That's right. Um yeah. I think, you know, there was that moment where she's having this conversation with this gentleman almost towards the end. And you get a glimpse of um, exactly what she did when uh, the statement of I was in Afghanistan and they kind of just left it after that, you know. So, yeah. Anyways, you know, I'm all about girl power and I love veterans. So there's that. Absolutely. I mean, her what, what I loved was in the first few minutes when the main characters are being you know, they're given that uh, Hunger Games moment where they get to select weapons. They don't really pay attention to her. They pay attention to other characters like Emma Roberts. They pay attention to this good-looking guy who you think is going to be the hero. And until a few minutes later, he's no longer the hero. And then after a few minutes, the movie does show you who the real protagonist is. And I just love that 10-15 minute sequence where you don't know what the hell's going on. You know, you get a general idea of some of the people involved and you know that oh these are rich people they've selected some deplorables and they're going to go out and hunt rednecks but what they don't realize is that 
one of the per- people they picked is a ringer. Just like in the movie You're Next, they accidentally include somebody who knows how to take care of herself. And I just thought that made the movie even more brilliant than I would have given it credit for. Uh, some details about this movie. The Hunt was directed by Craig Zobel, who also directed the movie Compliance and Z's for Zachariah. The film stars Betty Gilpin, Hilary Swank, Ethan Suppley, and Emma Roberts. Now, like Lady Winter said, the movie was supposed to have been released last year around September. But because of the El Paso and Dayton shootings, the movie was postponed. And I remember when it was postponed, we we had a discussion, just like we did a few moments ago, how you know it's unfair that a movie is being targeted because of events that occur. It was it I, I, it's hard to describe, but it was so funny. About a month ago, when Lady Winters talked about this movie, yeah, she had said she wanted to reach out to Blumhouse and say, "Hey, can you release this movie? You know, so that way we could check it out and watch it." And within a mere few days, the movie got its release date, which, strangely enough, was the week before the um, COVID out, uh, virus outbreak. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this movie might be a little cursed. But that's okay, because I'm glad we both got a chance to watch this movie. Now, the movie also ins- was inspired by a, a story called The Most Dangerous Game, which is a book that was written about 100 years ago. And it inspired a number of other movies, including The Hunger Games, Hard Target, surviving the game and a movie called the most dangerous game now lady winters do you feel that this movie will get its fair share or or its fair break or do you think it's going to be lost in the in the shuffle of what's going on in the, in the events of the day well that's a really good question i mean i even suggested that they release it to uh, shutter i think that it would have probably been on fire you know because there's a lot of there's that strong you know horror community that they love film and they would have supported this movie and there's just a lot of people right now that aren't financially ready to spend you know 20 bucks or whatever it is on um dov you know so i hope and it deserves to get the uh, attention that it needs because at the end of the day you know it doesn't matter what your position is in politics. It's, it's irrelevant. And at the, you know, we're we're all people when everything is said and done. And, and so we have to remember that politics is like uh, musical chairs. And so we shouldn't judge art or individuals until getting to know them or giving art or individuals a chance, if that makes sense. Exactly. When you're watching the movie, you kind of wonder why did they pick these specific people and they do reveal later on in the movie why they were picked. And it's almost comical that they look at these people and they prejudge them because of email comments or they're part of an organization they like. They don't even know these people, but they automatically think that they're a bunch of deplorable rednecks, which is ironic because the very group of people who are hunting them are characters themselves. You know, they're left wing, they're the... Um, San Francisco types, they're the people who, they're almost ashamed to be wealthy. You know, like, I'm rich, but I feel guilty about it. So it's that kind of, that both of both sides are, are, are at fault. And I love how the movie portrays both of them as negative. I mean, ne- I mean, neither negative or positive, just as misunderstood and misguided. But the movie does focus on the main character, who I thought was one of the most exciting characters I've seen in a movie in a long time, male or female. I mean, wow. 
I was just so impressed with Betty Gilpin in this role, and I really do hope she gets a lot of good good work out of this movie. Now, the other movie that we checked out was The Invisible Man, which was released about two or three weeks ago. Now, The Invisible Man is directed by Lee Wanell, who directed the movie Insidious 3 and Upgrade. Now, there's been a lot of discussion about this movie, especially given how much money the movie made. It's already made over $100 million. And Elizabeth Moss, who plays the main character, does an outstanding job on this movie. Now, I watched this movie this weekend on Video On Demand, and it was just brilliant. I know Lady Winters also watched the movie, so I'm going to ask Lady Winters, what did you think of The Invisible Man? Well, remember my um, first impression I told you that was just an opinion the last time that we discussed this. I said that from the previews, here's me, you know, prejudging a movie. <laughs> um, my opinion was I thought that it would be like sleeping with the enemy meets Gone Girl. And guess what? <laughs> I was right. Um, Absolutely. You were correct. <laughs> um, but for me, it was more, I saw it more as a thriller drama. Yeah, Absolutely. The original story of The Invisible Man was written by H.G. Wells, and it's actually been used in a couple of movies that use the same general idea, just like how The Most Dangerous Game was a, a book that was turned into a lot of movies. What I really did like about this movie was they took the general premise of an invisible character, but they made the focus on the on the lady, played by Elizabeth Moss, who I thought she was his wife, but it may have been a girlfriend. And the movie focused on her, especially given that she played a woman who was in an abusive relationship and she found the courage to escape and get away from him. But then she hears about something that happened. He, he committed suicide. But then the rest of the movie has her almost suffering her own personal issues where she suspects or she sees things that are happening, bizarre events. And nobody believes her. And everybody thinks she's going crazy. And the movie is just done so brilliantly. I imagine this movie is going to catch a lot of more attention because it is a brilliant movie. Now, your assessment of it, Lady Winters, was spot on. I mean, I've seen Sleeping with the Enemy. I've seen Gone Girl. And I got both those vibes from this movie. I mean, oh my God. I, I just felt so bad for her because like, leave her alone or whoever's there leave her alone i mean jesus what is your problem i mean wow i mean is that what how you felt about her character um well <laughs> of course but at the same time um a couple of times during the movie i thought how many times can we keep running and screaming you know like i'm not trying to say anything negative about the movie but i guess my opinion is i just wish that blumhouse would have released the hunt here we go back to the subject um yeah, maybe absolutely. a little bit earlier because i think it probably would have uh, made more money than this movie oh yeah it, it, it was a good movie but i'm not going to put it on my favorite top list it's, it's not going to make that list but i did enjoy it but yeah i enjoyed the hunt more so oh understandable yeah i mean the the character that elizabeth elizabeth boss plays her name is cecilia i believe and that's actually a Latin form of the word blind. So in a sense, the movie, she's blind to what's occurring around her. And it's just interesting to see. And you, as the viewer, begin to wonder, is she making these things up? Is she really being, you know, attacked? I mean, for all we know, her 
boyfriend could have disappeared and just run off and did all these different things and the whole movie could have been her like undergoing a psychosis of you know ptsd and then at the end they could have revealed oh the woman was crazy you know she was mad her boyfriend did commit suicide but you know what the movie does something completely different it was brilliant but i do understand what you're saying about the hunt the hunt was such a movie such a unique film that came out of nowhere and really impressed me. I mean, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was an outstanding black comedy. And it was a movie that if ever, if, if I mean, the only fault you could really find is that they just released it at the wrong time. I mean, they yeah, should have maybe, true. they should have pushed it maybe in December or in January. January probably would have been. That movie yeah, January been, is really... usually the, the death knell for movies. But you know what? I think this movie could have really kicked ass. Especially... And I think that's why, I think that's why with The Invisible Man, how can I say this? Because I saw The Hunt first, and then I saw The Invisible Man. Like I said, I'm not trying to discredit any movie. I'm, you know, I I enjoyed the movie, but mm, you know what I mean. Like it's just, um, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I felt like there was more hype mm -hmm. than what I expected. But it's a good movie. Yeah, I think what you're saying is that given a chance to watch the movies again, you may watch The Invisible Man again, but you're going to buy The Hunt on Blu-ray when it comes out, and it's going to be something you hold on to. Already. You already know. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be the movie you embrace. And I'll tell you what, Lady Winters, that character that was in there reminded me a little bit of you, because I know you're that tough woman who can be put into a situation like that and can take charge, kick ass, and even if she doesn't know what's going on, She's not going to basically, you know, freak out and lose her cool. She's going to look at look at the situation and say, I'm going to get out of this and I'm going to fight my way if I have to. So if you're going to either either work with me or get the hell out of my way, because that's exactly the attitude she took. And I really appreciated that. I mean, she was awesome. I'll tell you what, I, I'm looking forward to this watching movie again. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for just telling me that I'm a redneck from Texas. Kidding. <gasps> I'm kidding. <laughs> redneck from Texas? You're from I'm Texas? <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. Now, on the next subject, I didn't um, mention this to you on our, on our notes, but I, I started looking back at the history of the movie theaters that you talked about last week, originally. That is an impressive looking theater. So I, d I took the time to read up about the theater and learn more about it after what you described. And it is identical to the Majestic and the Aztec in San Antonio. So I will definitely check out the Ridgely next time in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And if you do find an event or activity going on there, definitely invite me. We'll go check that out. And I will definitely jump on board with Joe Bob Riggs, you know, hopefully hosting a movie there because that seems like the perfect venue, especially given his propensity to seek out Texas movie theaters. Yeah, I mean, it's just visually beautiful, you know. And like I said, the last time I was there, I saw Ministry play. And that show was like the people who were there that opened up for Ministry. I can't remember who they were, but it was like um, it was like a prom, like a dead prom, you know. Oh, wow. it, it, it was like... Um, a dead prom from hell. It was so cool and so gothic and so like industrial. And then ministry took the stage. I mean, they shut that place down. They rocked the house, but yeah, you'll have to come out. And I think that I wish Joe Bob would, you know, hold a show there. It's just a beautiful 
theater to look at visually. And it's just, you don't have that sense of old world touch. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely put a shout out to um, Kinky Horror and uh, Joe Bob kind of suggesting and hinting because, you know, enough people, you know, reach out to him. He'll do a show somewhere. And that seems like the perfect theater for, for an experience like that, especially given that, you know, his drive in background, you know, and the history of theaters, that is a theater with history. I mean, that's like when you think of a that's a Joe Bob theater. theater, basically, that is a Joe Bob theater. It absolutely is a Joe yeah. Bob theater. Definitely for sure. And I, I know that after we did our broadcast last week, I read up on more of the theaters in my hometown, as well as the ones you described. And it's crazy how a lot of these theaters were one or two screen theaters. And now, you know, we're used to going to the eight screen, 12 screen, 14 screen multiplexes. And granted, these movie theaters have, you know, they have the recliner seats. They have, you know, you, you can get like a, a fancy sandwich, a beer, but they don't have that charm of those old theaters. You know, they they focus more on the movie than the experience. Right. You know, and it's the experience that often made the movie better, you know. So it's like you can watch the most awesome movie ever. But then you say, oh, where'd you see it? Oh, I don't know. I saw it somewhere. Whereas, you know, you think you remember those movies you watched at the Ridgely or the uh, 7th Street Theater. I remember the movies I watched at the the Galaxy or I watched at the, the Wonderland or the Century South. Because to me, the theater, you know, going to the theater was part of the experience. And it's what made the movie even better because it, it added to that memory. Well, just real quick, you know, anytime anyone you know, says Pulp Fiction, or I see it advertised online. What stands out in my mind is that Pulp Fiction was playing in the theater, and that's the time that my brother worked there. So just, you know, just Absolutely. how, you know, posters like that and memories like that are always with the person. So you're right on about what you said about the experience. Indeed, indeed. That's something definitely that was fun talking about, especially with last week's podcast, because, you know, we had a great time talking about our classic theater, our classic movie experiences as ch children. All right. And with that, I will be closing this broadcast. You can reach out to the Los Man and Lady Winters on Instagram and Twitter. And remember, when you hear that howl in the night, it may be coming from the Midnight Manor. Keep it frightful, my fiends. <laughs>